Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn. Thank you so much for coming out to this podcast once again. The downloads last week were very good. I really appreciate everybody for for clicking and supporting this new podcast that we're doing on De- at Denver Stiffs. Uh, before we get into it, just if you haven't listened to last week's podcast with Gordon Gross, really recommend it. We get into kind of the format for this podcast, just talk about a lot of big general Nuggets picture things. Uh, looking forward to season win projections and things like that. So if you're interested in that sort of podcast, then I definitely recommend it. This week, have another Nuggets writer for you guys. All the way out in Virginia, I believe it is, we have our Denver Stiffs own, Daniel Lewis. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be the second guest on the Nuggets Numbers podcast Absolutely, you know we're we're excited to have you. I'm excited to have you because it's just me. So we're doing we're doing well. <laughs> so we're gonna get right into it. If you aren't familiar with the format of this podcast, the first thing that I'm going to do with Daniel is I'm gonna play guess the nugget. I'm going to give Daniel three hints. With each hint, he has an opportunity to guess which Nuggets player I'm referring to. And then we'll talk about this this Nugget at, at a certain point. So, Daniel, are you ready to go? I am. All right, then. The first hint that you get, you get one guess for this hint, is this player averaged a career high in points, assists, and steals last year. Will Barton. Wow, this is... The second time in a row that the first hint that I have given to a guest, they have guessed the correct player. So congratulations. Yes, it is Will Barton. Nice. Number one on the board. That's what a lifetime of watching Family Feud will do for you. That's that's exactly it. The other two hints were he set a career high in three-pointers made last year with 156. And then the last hint was he led the Nuggets in minutes played with 2,683. And I think at that point, you probably would have gotten it. Uh, 2,683 is a lot for a backup shooting guard. Well, I mean, I think Barton last season was really only the backup in in title only. Uh, he played, I think he led the team in minutes. So That he did. He, he, was, he was very, very important to the Nuggets' success last season. And I, I really wanted to talk about Barton. If you haven't heard, uh, Will Barton sustained an injury over the weekend. He is down with what appears to be a core strain and a right hip strain. Uh, went out this past weekend, had surgery to repair it in Philadelphia. Should be out for the next five to six weeks at the earliest. Uh, Will Barton's a very, very important piece of this Nuggets lineup, and it's one of the big things that they were really excited about was integrating him into the starting lineup 
made up of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic, inserting Will Barton for Wilson Chandler was one of the things that the Nuggets were really excited about, correct? Yeah, um, I'm sure you could list off a lot of stats showing why the Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Nikola Jokic lineup um, was a very effective and very productive lineup. And we didn't get to see it very often last season because of Millsap's injury and then Harris's injury. And now um, in true, I don't know, um, I, I play a lot of like Madden and it seems like every time I sign a big free agent, they get injured and they're out for the season Right. in their first season. Uh, unfortunately, the Madden curse struck Will Barton. Well, he's not out for the season, but we do have to wait until um, probably just around Christmas time, I'd say, until he can just get back onto the court. Yeah, we'll have to see when he returns. That is my guess, too, is that he probably will be back before the new year hits, but not that much sooner than that. Uh, quickly going over his numbers, uh, it, it doesn't really do him any service to go over the numbers that he played in a game and a half this year, but he averaged 16.5 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists in 27 minutes. And uh, The really exciting thing going into this season was that lineup that it was Denver's best lineup last season, although in very limited minutes. When they came out this year, they, they performed admirably as well. And in, in the 46 minutes that that starting lineup played, uh, it was a plus 29. So, like, you're, you're talking huh. about, like, every, every 10 minutes, they're a plus 7 on the floor. That's a, that's a really big advantage, a really big deal. Uh, Barton by himself in his 54 minutes on the court was a plus 32. So you're talking about a player that was extremely valuable for Denver. Uh, his ball handling, his ability to spot up, his ability to create points in transition. Uh, just a very, very valuable player that I think will be missed by Denver. So I, I, I mean, I've watched all the games so far. It's not a big task or a big challenge. No need to pat me on the back. But... Uh, <laughs> I was a little skeptical um, that this lineup would work. The Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic starting lineup would work because, um, not that I am, I am definitely not opposed to the new pace and space era of basketball. You know, I've, I've been involved in stats writing for almost six years now. I understand the value of, you know, modern basketball, but I just my preference is you know, I had to have bigger players, especially on the wing. Um, and I was just worried about the Nuggets' ability to rebound and defend. And they're, I mean, obviously they haven't played, I mean, well, I mean, they played the Warriors, but I think he got hurt before that, didn't he? Yeah, he was hurt. He, He's, he sustained okay, the yeah. injury against Phoenix in the second game. Right, right, right. So it wasn't like the Nuggets had played the, the most difficult competition in the Clippers and the Suns. Um, but there was really only like one or two moments where I noticed that Barton's size was kind of a detriment to him on defense and it, they were just so good on offense that it didn't matter. Like they, they were just so lethal on offense and it, it just, it's really unfortunate that he's going to be out and you know, then he'll be, he's probably not going to be a hundred percent again until next season or until after the all-star break. 
Yeah, absolutely. It really does run counterintuitive to how most fans and, and analysts saw the Nuggets this year. Uh, going into the year, I think many people saw the Nuggets as a, a strictly offensive team, and especially moving Will Barton into the starting lineup as a as a small ball three, you're really expecting them to kind of commit to that and go all in. However, we've seen the opposite, really, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but Barton himself was was a a very very important piece for this year, and it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the coming days and months without Will in the lineup. So we'll move on from there. Uh, one thing I want to touch on before we get into our main segment is Nikola Jokic's numbers over the course of these first three games are just absurd. Uh, if you followed the Nuggets at all over the past three games, it, you'll you'll have seen that Nikola Jokic put up one of the most absurd stat lines that I can actually remember. I'm a young guy. I'm I am 21 years old, but I have never seen anybody put together a perfect game like that with as many made shots as he had, as many points as he had with as few turnovers as he had. Just quickly going over these numbers, 26.3 points, 10 rebounds, 7.3 assists, 63% from the field, 50% from the line. He had a PER of 39. And the uh, the, the, the all-time high set by Wilt Chamberlain was 31. So he's just on an absurd pace right now. Uh, what have you seen from Jokic this year that has really inspired this this total jump in his abilities um i i know this is a numbers pod but i think it's just hustle um he's just been just he's just been hustling and um i another, i think a better word would also just be very decisive um he's he's moving with intention like on offense he's like okay i'm going to do this and then, you know, like he'll he'll call for the a post up again, or he he's just very like, I intend for us to do this. This is how I envision things going, and then executing that. And in the past, it's kind of just been like a hey, like let's test this out. Let's let's kind of feel around things and finesse, and really kind of try to just take what the defense is giving us, but then find an opening. And this year, it just feels like he's just like, you know what, like, uh, you know, I'm the franchise player. I'm going to be the I'm going to be the leader of the team. We're I'm going to set the mood as well for my teammates that like, look, we're not going to mess around on offense and we're going to give as much effort as possible on defense. And like Jokic physically isn't going to be able to to get a ton of stops on defense. But I think his teammates can recognize, hey, you know what? Jokic is doing his best. Like he's out here just like really trying to make a difference on defense. And like if someone with his physical abilities is doing that much work to try to be good defensively, and we we should be able to do so much more. And I think that's been the biggest difference in his play this season. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. You you mentioned numbers not really being able to capture that. And I think that there's definitely an element of that where you're talking about how many times Jokic is contesting shots and and just being as much of a nuisance on defense as he can. One of the things that 
many analysts were really talking about was kind of an, an apathy that he had on the defensive end. And and that really showed up in the numbers and in like his defensive field goal percentage where he's only limit he's limiting people to 67% field goal percentage at the rim and that's just I mean that's just not going to get it done. Uh this year I'm not even going to go over the numbers this year. Just know that they are better that he's way more engaged uh that on offense he's commanding the offense like you said there's a large air of control around his abilities, around what he's trying to manage right now. Uh, the the number I will throw at you, he's averaging 26.3 points, but he's also creating on average 16 points per game, according to the NBA.com. Uh, that's absurd for a center. You're talking about creating 42 points per game from your center position. That just doesn't happen in today's NBA. And it's a major advantage for Denver going forward. And I, I I do think as well, like there are probably statistics to reflect this. I just don't have them available, but like, I think I've been struck by how many times if you, if you were to pause the, the tape when the Nuggets got a defensive rebound, how often there are, at least three or four nuggets around the rim. Like they, they, you know, after the shot goes up, they're all crashing back to the boards. And then even after that, like once one of their teammates gets it, they're turning around and they're just sprinting down the floor. And I think that's a testament to the work that they put in over the off season for their conditioning and for their commitment to defense. Cause you know, they, they're like, you know what? Hey, once the shot goes up, if it, if they miss and we've worked hard to get them to miss, we're securing that rebound and then we're getting back down the floor and we're going to score and then we're going to come back down here and we're going to get another stop. We're going to get a rebound and we're just going to repeat that one possession at a time. And uh, it's, I think, I mean, I, I don't know what it is after the Warriors game and this is going to come up after they, they play the Kings. Um, but the Nuggets have had a like top defense in the league and Scoring is up across the league for the first couple of games, and the Nuggets have been a great defensive squad. Yes, they have, and that's a really good lead into the main segment here. I really want to get into this defense because you mentioned it. They have been an elite defense, and not just not just any defense. They've been the number one defense so far through three games, and you have to preface this by saying, look, small sample size, totally get it. You've played the Clippers on opening night. You were amped up against the Suns on your home opener. And then you probably caught the Golden State Warriors in a little bit of an apathetic game. But you still played the Golden State Warriors and held them under 100 points. So it's a pretty good lead into what I want to talk about now. You mentioned the defensive rebounding. Uh, Defensive rebounding rate right now, they are third in the NBA. They're not necessarily great at everything defensively, but the main thing that they have been spectacular at is limiting opposing teams to one defense, one possession, uh, where they, they collect as many rebounds as they can and prevent the opposing team from having as many second chance opportunities as they can. That was a big emphasis after Boban Marjanovic, uh, was a, a big focal point in the Los Angeles Clippers game. And they, they've really responded in kind. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Boban, <laughs> he broke a lot of things, but even, you know, even with his size, like the Nuggets have 
just been doing a great job. And, you know, hopefully hopefully they keep up this pace against the Kings and they don't make us look like idiots. <laughs> but yeah. we'll see what happens. No, absolutely. Um, the, the three things that I really want to go over playtype-wise for when the Nuggets actually are, are in a half-court defensive setting are their pick-and-roll defense against the ball handler, their spot-up defense and their transition defense because those were their three real big areas of concern in my opinion uh, going into the year uh, Jamal Murray not a great point of attack defender in my opinion uh, Nikola Jokic once once Jamal Murray is screened not a great container of, of a player or at least that's what we what we saw 2017-2018 and before and then the Nuggets would be late helping on uh, on those players and it would leave open guys in the corners for spot-up opportunities. And then transition, of course, Denver, not not a great defensive transition team. They just did not have the personnel to, to get a lot of stops. So wanted to get into the pick-and-roll ball handler defense really quickly. Last year, Denver was 25th in points per possession, 0.87. Their points per possession hasn't really improved. It's still a .85, but that number is 14th in the NBA right now. Teams are really doing a good job offensively, freeing up their ball handler in the pick and roll. And the Nuggets have at least held water there, as opposed to a lot of other teams that have taken a step back. And the big thing there is their frequency of those possessions is 26th in the NBA. So that means that basically... The Nuggets do not allow a lot of these possessions in terms of other teams, in comparison to other teams. They actually limit the pick-and-roll ball handler, not just points per possession-wise, but in the total number of possessions. So one of the things that they've done on the floor was bring Nikola Jokic up and have him guard the opposing ball handler by hedging out and, and protecting out in space as opposed to using their drop coverage. And here's a a really great numerical example of why that's working. Yeah, and I think that also plays into Jamal Murray's weaknesses as well. Um, And we we should have seen this coming when Millsap talked about in training camp how they were going to be a better situational or like positional, better positional defensive team. Um, Because it's not like the Nuggets over the offseason like grew that much more athletic or got taller or were able to jump like dramatically higher. Yeah, of course or not. But like you I've noticed that Jamal Murray is switching, you know, or they'll have someone come down and tag the the role guy. But with Jokic coming up and hedging, that really limits the that pass. You know, they the the ball handler either has to swing it back out to the three point line and with Jokic in his you know, massive size, they really have to throw it up. They can't just, you know, just pass it back over. And that really that really is one thing that, that the Nuggets did a poor job of taking advantage of last year, Jokic in particular. The one thing you can't really teach is size. And Nikola Jokic has a lot of it. Like he's he's not gonna be he he's not gonna be a <laughs> he's not gonna be a fast guy ever. But as long as he uses his size effectively to at least wall off portions of the paint, then it really helps Denver and and they can scheme around him as long as he's engaged in preventing a certain kind of pass, the quick pass that's right, right over his head before the, the, the tag guy can get into the paint. 
Uh, the other thing, and that this leads really into the spot-up defense well, is that the Nuggets are getting smarter. You you are absolutely right about that because the, the tag man on the pick-and-roll is getting there early, and it's allowing him to make his read a lot easier. When he sees mm-hmm. the pass that's to his man on the wing in, in the or in the corner, he can sprint out there, whether it's Gary Harris, whether it's Paul Millsap, whether it's Will Barton or Torrey Craig. Uh, these guys are sprinting out as fast as they can in a controlled closeout, sometimes not even in controlled closeout, but just to run them off the three-point line and to make things at least a little bit more difficult on them. And, and so far, their spot-up defense, last year, they were the 28th worst, or no, I'm sorry, the 28th best uh, spot-up defense. They allowed 1.06 points per possession, and the frequency on that was very high. It was third in the NBA. The frequency hasn't changed here. Teams are still instead like that's that's the simple change that you get when you're when you're low in pick and roll frequency. Uh, the spot up frequency goes up. That's just a very logical thing here. Uh, their frequency is still fourth in the NBA, but they're now down to average, like in points per possession given up in 0.97. So uh-huh. 1.06 points per possession is very, very different than 0.97. It's a lot of progress in that because Denver is good in some of these other areas, they can be average in these areas and still be great. You talked about defensive rebounding. As long as they finish those possessions and don't give up the offensive rebound, then they're going to be just fine. Right. And I think, I think like you mentioned the hedging part as well. It just feels like on defense last season, you know, like Murray or even Harris would get caught up on the screen and Jokic was just sitting back, and the guard would just get a, you know, running start and blow past him. And then, then the offense is playing four on three, or uh, yeah, four on three. You know where Jokic and whatever guard got screened, they're behind the play, and you have this ball handler just streaking towards the rim, and that 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 gave up corner threes, where you pass it out and then kick it to a guy on the wing for those those spot up offensive possessions. Um, and now that they're being more aggressive and, and they're trying to dictate on defense, like, I, I feel like that and that effort and then with Millsap communicating, the whole team just knowing, like, okay, I, this is what you're going to be doing. I've got your back. I know how long it takes you to get over here. We're going to rotate over here like that. And I think that is helping him out a lot. And with even though that does help with Barton because he's so much – he's so fast, you know, he doesn't have – the height, but he is, does have the quickness to be able to close onto the people and force him to dribble, and then they can all collapse into the paint for a rebound. But if if Juancho Hernan Gomez or Torrey Craig, I mean, they're probably going to be getting the bulk of the minutes in Barton's place, but they both, you know, Craig has similar quickness to Barton, but Juancho has the size to help people close out, and I feel like if those two players, Torrey Craig and Juancho Hernan Gomez, are able to to give that kind of effort and intensity on defense. I think, I mean, they're obviously going to miss Barton, but like if they can get 80% of Barton from those guys, I think they'll be just fine. 100%, 100% agree. You talk about effort. Uh, transition defense is one of the places where effort's really important and quick execution and just, and just hustling back and getting, and getting into a good position where you can at least make things difficult for the opposition is really important. Well, it's almost like a, 
it's a numbers thing, you know. If if you can get back and they're like, oh, well, it's three on three, we'll just slow it down and try to execute in half court. It's just making sure that you don't have a numbers disadvantage. And even three on two and a half. It, it doesn't even have to be the third person's necessarily in the picture entirely. But if you're breathing down their necks, it at least gives them a little bit of hesitation. And that, that really leads into the numbers here. Uh, the frequency for transition, uh, it's up a little bit, but it's down in terms of where the rest of the NBA is at, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, the the NBA is at a breakneck speed right now. Everybody's talking about it because of just how much everybody's asking to run, and, and the 14-second shot clock is putting teams at a very weird position right now when, when an offensive rebound occurs. But the Nuggets are doing... Not only are they becoming a little bit less frequent league-wide, but their transition defense has gone from second to last in points per possession to third. Like, 29 to 3. Uh, from one hmm. 1.15 points per possession to 0.88. That's amazing. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you're, you're employing Nikola Jokic, one of the slowest, more lumbering centers that you can have. And... It just it's it's very impressive what they're doing. They're not necessarily making all of their shots on the offensive end, so it's actually giving if if they were playing the same apathetic defense that they played last season most of the time, or or at least one step slower, then they would be giving up a lot more frequent transition opportunities. And that's just not happening this year because they give a damn. Yeah, they've absolutely been winning games with their defense. Um I think like Jamal's made like what like four three pointers and Gary's made like three. So yeah, like they're not even doing that good a job on offense right now. It's uh, it's one of those things where you you think that this is probably going to switch at some point, right? Like they're not going to be the best defense in the NBA. They they just don't have the personnel for that. But the the San Antonio Spurs didn't have the a great personnel for that either and while they did have a great defensive player in DeJounte Murray the Nuggets have a great defensive player in Paul Millsap and a really good one in in Gary Harris and all you have to do is just surround those guys with players that try hard and are at least in the position where they need to be most of the time and they're well coached they you know that's that's a very big deal they are well coached and Michael Malone deserves a lot of praise for what he's done uh, you can't say enough about how this team is playing last year versus this year. It is it is really a marvel to behold, and it is three games in. We will see whether they stick with that, but really excited to see whether this sticks because it's it could change Denver's entire trajectory if they are continuing to play like this. Um, just as an aside, um, we're talking about their offensive struggles. So through... Four games, Kemba Walker has made 21 three-pointers. Um, wow. The Nuggets, through three games, have made 23 as a team. So <laughs> they're, they're they've gonna, got a little bit of work to do. They're going to turn the corner at some point. They have too much talent to to be that bad, that bad offensively. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, tonight. We are recording this on the Tuesday right before the Kings game, so we'll see what they do. Uh, the Kings are not necessarily renowned for their defense so we will uh no. we'll see whether that holds up tonight we i mean we've 
we've already seen what Jokic did to DeAndre Ayton. Now he gets a chance to go against Marvin Bagley. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. It could be a bloodbath. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before I let you go, I wanted to play one quick game before I got you out of there. This is my version of basketball. Would you rather? Just going to give you two players and a specific trait of theirs, and we're going to talk through that and see which player you would rather have in that scenario. So, ready to go? Yep, hit me. All right. Would you rather have Russell Westbrook's attitude or Joel Embiid's attitude? Who? Westbrook's. Really? Uh, me personally? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Westbrook's. Yeah, Westbrook's 100%. <laughs> See, I, I find that interesting. He, he really does have an FU attitude about him. Uh, Joel Embiid, at least, is a, seems a little bit more playful. Uh, that's 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 more my style. I, th- I think I would pick Joel Embiid. Why would you pick Westbrook? Um, I feel like Embiid is like it'd be like a a lion playing with its food, you know, yeah. just like <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to eat you, but I'm going to have fun before I do that. But like Westbrook is just like he's like the predator, you know. He's just like I'm just going to rip out your spine and collect your skull <laughs> and. Uh, in terms of competition, that's I think that would just be much more gratifying. It's going to be interesting to see what OKC is doing this year. They're they're zero and three right now. Uh, I don't think that's going to stay like that. Uh, they'll probably win forty eight to fifty games, but they're going to need Westbrook at top shape to do that. All right, next one. Would you rather have Nikola Jokic's passing or Carl Anthony Towns's scoring? And we'll we'll go with what we think is actual Carl Anthony Towns as opposed to the version that we're getting this year right now. So just to preface that. <laughs> the one that plays like he's got a uh, dog cone of shame on his head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. that one. Um, I would rather have Jokic's passing. Like it's just, it's, it's gotta be so satisfying to be able to um, set your teammates up like that. And I like playing kind of team basketball and, as long as the ball goes into the hoop, I'm okay. So I, I think I would take Jokic's passing. I think I would agree with you, and, and it's going to sound biased coming from Nuggets guys, but we're talking about a guy who creates offense, not necessarily a guy who finishes offense. There are so many players that can that can finish on offense, like with spot-ups and with, with creating in the post. Nikola Jokic can create in the post, but you're talking about what I think is the best passing big man, at least of this generation, possibly of all time. Like you're talking about something that's never really been seen before. So that's, that's probably the reason why I'd go with Jokic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, ready for the last one. Yeah. Hit me. LeBron's scoring or Durant's scoring. Oh, LeBron. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Tell me um, about it. I mean, so, so far I've taken Westbrook's attitude, Jokic's passing, and LeBron's scoring. Um, I I just – LeBron is unstoppable going to the rim. Like, you have to foul him or you have to bring four or five players in his way, and uh, he still might barrel through. And, like, Durant's – I mean, obviously he's just a, a lethal shooter, but, like – Man, I I will ne- I hope I never forget that playoff series where LeBron was on the Cavaliers, going against the Pistons, and they were like triple teaming him, <laughs> twenty eight feet from the rim, <laughs> and uh, he was still just 
going to town on him, maybe hit three pointers or working his way into the paint and scoring. Um, it it's been the most impressive basketball thing I think I've ever seen. You're talking um, about the finals, the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2007. Um, I don't remember the exact year, but ish. It was it was the Pistons championship core still with Chauncey and Rip and Ben Wallace, Tayshon, and they they were triple teaming him like they were putting two guards on him, trying to you know kind of wall him from getting into the paint. And then Ben Wallace, like one of the most intense shot blockers of the early 2000s, you know, just camping out around the free throw line outside the paint, just being like, if you get past those guards, I'm going to eat you up. And he was just knocking down three pointers or he'd drive to the rim and just score over Ben Wallace, which is an incredible feat. It was it was something I hope I never forget. I think I would take LeBron scoring as well. I'm kind of surprised that you oh, didn't no. say KD. Uh, not going to go. Not going to go opposite of you this time. I I do appreciate what Kevin Durant's done, and I think he's maybe more of a natural three level scorer than LeBron is. But we're talking about the greatest player of all time uh, in LeBron, and the foundation of that is his ability to get to the rim at will against any player that you want to. Like we're we mention Kawhi Leonard as one of the best perimeter defenders of all time. And if you go back and look at that series that Kawhi Leonard won MVP, won finals MVP, uh, LeBron was still playing really well during that series. It wasn't like he, it wasn't like Kawhi completely shut him down. LeBron still got 30, 35 points pretty much every night. Uh, With Kevin Durant, like he's amazing, but LeBron James, we will never see another one of him. Well, I mean, people said that about Michael Jordan, and LeBron's a different kind of player, but he's just as good, I think. Um, hopefully in another 15 years, you know, we'll see someone like that. Maybe it's Jokic. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, the- uh, how, do we, how do we know it's not Vodko Kichancha? <laughs> <laughs> Vlatko. There we go. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Dan, anything you want to mention before we head on, head on out of here? No, uh, just, you know, I'm, I'm wish Will Barton the best if he's listening. Um, hope you get better and uh, get back to full health as soon as you can to help out the team. And uh, I'm also just shout out to Isaiah Thomas and Michael Porter and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, those, all those guys are going to be able to, kind of bond in the trainer's room and I'm excited to see the Nuggets at full health um you know even before Barton got injured they they weren't a full squad yet and uh hopefully we'll be able to see them you know witness the true power of this battle station exactly. later in the season <laughs> I hope Will Barton's listening that would be that would be wonderful uh he's he's yeah. again incredible player incredibly important will be missed also shout out to Ryan for doing the work to put this together, um, going to school and all the work you do on the website as well. Um, you're doing good stuff and we're all proud of you. Appreciate you, man. It's been hell, uh, but I, <laughs> I appreciate it. You can find Dan at Minuteman Dan on Twitter. You can find his writing on denverstiffs.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your feedback. Loved hearing you guys and, and seeing what you think about the episode so far. We'll see where this baby can go. And until then, we'll see you next week. Yeah.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.